0: I'm going to start by praying and um, we are going to head to Romans 15 this morning if you have your Bibles with us, with you. Father, we are just so, so grateful to belong to you. We are so, so grateful that our hope is in you and that you know what you are doing in our lives in our church, in our families, and in our nation. Lord, we so desire that you would continue to re-dig the wells of renewal and revival in our midst, that we would know you more deeply and more intimately, and that, Jesus, you would truly be our everything. Would you... Open your scriptures to us this morning. Lord, above human words, you are able to speak to us the things that you want us to hear. So we just say that our hearts and our ears and our eyes are open to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you might like to Head to Romans 15. But first, I want to get a little something off my chest. You will have seen on the notices today that um, we are having a women's spring gathering in October in a couple of weeks on a Friday morning, which Doreen has organised. And I'm intending to come along to this spring gathering. But ladies, I want to make it very clear right up front that I do feel like a bit of an imposter to come to a sharing of plants and gardening knowledge kind of meeting. Because you see, I am a hopeless gardener. I don't think I've made any secret of that. I'm pretty sure from the front and through multiple sermon illustrations, I have told you about the times that seedlings have died in their pots before I've got them into the ground. I've told you about failing to water my plants, even just this week, a beautiful friend of mine gave me this beautiful daffodil, having told me, having heard that it's one of my favourite flowers. She came, she planted it in my garden. And then I found her in my front garden, later in the week, watering it with my watering can because I had failed to water it. And she said, it kind of needs a bit of water, Catherine. Now, I do have a beautiful rose garden, and I do manage to prune my roses... But fortunately, roses are quite hardy because really the things that survive in my garden are things that can look after themselves. I love beautiful gardens. I own a lot of gardening books. I would really like to have a beautiful and productive garden. I listen to ABC gardening programs. (laughs) But it just does not seem to make a difference. I want to be better but I'm not. But at the moment, I'm not just a hopeless gardener, that is one who is without inclination and without skill and without knowledge, and if I'm truthful, without time. At the moment, I'm also a hopeless gardener, that is one without hope, because you see, our garden is overrun with weeds. There are weeds everywhere. I have filled a green bin and half a trailer. I've spent hours pulling out weeds and you would not even be able to tell that I've done any weeding. I wonder if there are areas in your life where you feel like you still have much work to do. For most of this year, we've been in the book of Romans, which has been a delight. This is an incredible book full of deep theology. Many commentators consider it to be Paul's fullest explanation of the gospel. And in the initial chapters that we looked at earlier in the year, Paul unpacked doctrine or pillars of truth that we know about ourselves and about God, that all humanity is helplessly trapped in sin and needs to be rescued, that this rescue is not going to happen through people's ability to obey the law. But instead, through God's righteous character, he has been moved to rescue the world through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that through faith in Jesus Christ, we as his people have been brought into a multi-ethnic family of God. And then the last five chapters of Romans, Paul focuses much more practically on the application of our faith. How do we live out our faith? What should it look like? And so we have been working our way through these final chapters, boldly reminded by Paul of the marks of a true Christian, that faith looks like something. It produces something in us. It produces genuine self-giving love in our lives. And we've been challenged about how we should treat one another, how we should use our various gifts for the good of the body, We've been um, looking at how to deal with our differences and how to show grace in non essential issues, how to consider others, how to look after the vulnerable and the weak, and how to interact with authority. And I wonder if some of these passages have felt to you like they have to me like a long, hard look in the mirror, revealing, confronting, and convicting. It's unlikely that any of us here that feel that we have fully nailed the brief. We probably all have seen things in our lives that we don't like the look of and where we recognise that we don't measure up. And so, with so much work to be done, how do we respond? Do we try harder and intensify our efforts to be better? Do we buy the books, listen to the podcasts? Or do we even give up in defeated resignation, feeling that the expectations are just too high and it's all just too hard? Where we find ourselves in Romans today, in my imaginations at least, I believe that we find, as Paul is beginning to wrap things up, his recognition that the people that he was writing to in Rome might have been just feeling exactly the same way. Oh my goodness, look how much work there is to be done in my life. And just at this point, Paul circles them back around again to focus away from themselves and back to the nature and the character of God. So we're going to pick up Romans 15 this morning in verse 8 and just read to verse 13. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And and again it said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles Hope. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This passage contains one of my all-time favourite verses, and I am definitely tempted to rush us straight there this morning. But first I want to us to notice one of the things that Paul is demonstrating as he quotes these ancient prophetic scriptures. I want to suggest to you that he is reminding his audience that where they find themselves now in the story of God and his people was promised by God for both Jew and Gentile over 1500 years before and repeated over 1,100 years through the patriarchs and the prophets. That is over 11 centuries of declaring and repeating the promises that they are now walking in. If you know anything about that 1,500-year period of time, you know that the fulfilment of that had absolutely nothing to do with people's faithfulness, consistency, and successful self-effort, and everything to do with the righteousness, the mercy, the faithfulness, and the grace of God. I am currently reading a chronology or chronologically through the Old Testament, and I cannot fathom God's mercy, his patience, and his persistence with his people. His people were unrelentingly disobedient, rebellious, hard hearted, arrogant, unthinking, greedy, self seeking, prideful. I could go on and on. And yes, of course, as we read this period of God's, the time in God's people's lives, God brought righteous judgment. And time and time again, He restored provided a way through, provided redemption, gave them undeserved hope, and even included some of his enemies in his promises and provision. For over 1,500 years, God kept working, even when it was unrecognized, even when it could not be seen, to fulfill his promises and purposes. That should have us pause and declare how incredible is our God. How incredible is our God. Our God is the initiator and he is the finisher. Our God will fulfill his promises. He started the story and he will finish the story, the full redemption of his creation, yes, and also in each of our own individual redemptive stories. What I want you to grab a hold of this morning is not to skim over these weird prophetic kind of utterances from a a long ago era. What I want us to grab a hold of this morning is that even as God invites us to consider whether our daily lives reflect our faith in Jesus, no matter where we find ourselves in that reflection, no matter how much work needs to be done, we have a reason to hope thanks to God's righteousness faithfulness and overwhelming grace he is a promise-keeping god this is his nature and his character this is who he is and he is our hope i love and you probably will have guessed that romans 15:13 is my favorite verse and i love Reading it in the Amplified Version. So I'm going to share that with you this morning because I feel that like it fleshes out a few things to help us focus. In the Amplified Version, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Our confidence is in him to fulfill his promises, not in ourselves. Our hope of a life transformed is not in our own self-effort, our own striving or trying a bit harder or digging a bit deeper into our willpower. When we consider our lives as followers of Jesus and how we are to reflect him, It is imperative that we remember we are not being invited into a behavior modification program. We are being invited into abiding. Abiding is the word that Jesus uses in John 15. And what he does is he paints a picture of what abiding looks like and what it is by describing himself as the vine, us as the branches and the father as the vine dresser or the cultivator or the gardener. This figurative language reminds us that the branch can't do anything by itself. It can't look after itself. It can't produce fruit by itself. A branch is held by the vine, tended, pruned, propped up, tied to the trellis, kept pest-free, watered, given nutrients, by the gardener, by the perfect gardener. Not a hopeless gardener, but a hopeful gardener, the God of hope, who remains patient and gracious and steadfast even when confronted with a garden of weeds or wild branches. And for what purpose does he attend to us? In order that the fruit of the vine would be produced in us. John 15 tells us that we have one job, to remain and abide in Jesus. When a branch is healthily attached to the vine, Cared for by the diligence and faithfulness of the gardener, it will bear the fruit of the vine. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. This fruit is the nature and character of Jesus, which is produced in us when our life is joined to his life and we are transformed by the Spirit. Ali, can I ask the worship team to come back up? I don't want to diminish the truth that when God is at work in our lives, it will be uncomfortable. That when he is at work in us, there is something that sometimes can feel quite intense. What I want us to remember this morning in these seasons of growth and even pruning and discomfort and the awareness that I'm sure many of us have that there is much work to be done in us, is that the Father is not overwhelmed about how much work there is to do in us. He is not like I am with my weedy garden, pulling his hair out because he's already filled one green bin and half a trailer load and he doesn't seem to have made a dent in the weeds in our life. He is not impatient. He knows what he's doing. He is full of confidence in his process of transforming us and forming fruit in us that will remain as we abide in his son. I also don't want to give you the impression this morning that we do not have a part to play. We obviously do. Self examination in the light of Scripture and with the help of the Holy Spirit is certainly a part of the Christian life. The Word of God will always hold up a mirror to reveal our hearts, our blind spots, our sin, the mess and the weeds, and to invite us into freedom. This is not to be avoided, but to be embraced. But our response ought not to be to look inward, to try and change ourselves, to perform, to strive in self-effort, or to disqualify ourselves and hide ourselves from God, but instead to turn to and remain in Jesus and to be responsive and awake to his initiative and his invitation. In another letter that Paul wrote this time to the Corinthians, believe me, there were many weeds in their life, he says this in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, not some, we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, not maybe transformed, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord Who is Spirit? We are being transformed as we turn towards Jesus and behold Him. We we become like what we behold. Stacey Hillier is um, a minister down at Numa Church in Melbourne, and she just puts it so well, I was listening to something of hers during the week. And she says, "When we are confronted by all the work that still needs to be done in our lives to conform to the image of Jesus, don't try harder. Look at Jesus longer. Don't try harder. Look at Jesus longer as we look to the God of hope, as we delight in his beauty, his majesty, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy and his steadfast love. That's what we've been doing this morning together, folks. Beholding him, delighting in his beauty, being reminded of his majesty and his faithfulness and his grace. And as we do that, To quote Ephesians 1.17, We increase in the revelation of the knowledge of him and the eyes of our hearts are enlightened and we see more clearly the hope to which we have been called. We remember that transformation, making all things new, is and always has been God's plan, God's purpose and God's promise. We remember that he finishes what he starts, that he does not give up on his children, that we are not too much work for him. I feel like there are people here this morning who need to hear that. You are not too much work for him, even in your most weed-infested state. Because nothing, absolutely nothing, and separate us from his love. As we look to the God of hope, may we be filled with all joy and peace and by the power of the Holy Spirit overflow with confidence, in his promises. Can I ask you to stand this morning? Thank you God. I want to read a prayer over you this morning. From Ephesians 3. Again, I just would really encourage you to posture yourself before the Lord. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I read this with a friend this week, and I just loved the way that um, it phrased this prayer. And so, but I couldn't, I couldn't pray it better than Scripture. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. When Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church, and in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.